Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And don't forget, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I got to tell you something, people. Um, I hope you had a good New Year's. Here's what happened to me on New Year's. Uh, we, we hung out at home. Me and the lovely Joanne hung out on New Year's Eve. You know, I had a few drinks, whatever. We wake up uh, New Year's Day and we go out for brunch. Uh, this great little place in Burbank called Another Broken Egg. Uh, just good. The service is great. And I get a text. I get a text alert that my credit card, which I had in my pocket, my card had been used at a CVS in Las Vegas for $334 the night before. Of course, it was fraudulent. So then I started thinking, well, wait a second, how does that happen? Because one, I have my credit card and I'm thinking, where was that? I was at CVS earlier that day, which, you know, that that may be an inside job, I don't know. And then I was at Redbox, but it just amazed me that someone who worked at a CVS and I know it's CVS and you may not love your job, but it just amazes me that it's it's in Las Vegas. It's New Year's Eve, okay? Now, I'm not saying Las Vegas is a shady city. I lived there for a year, but there's a lot of shady people there. But you think that if someone comes in and it was like it was like at 12.03, so it was New Year's, I would think if I worked at CVS, if someone came in and used a credit card, because whenever I use my card, I use it as debit. I just, just the way I do. I, I don't know why. But you think they would ask them for ID if you came into CVS and spent $300 Who spends $344 at a CVS on New Year's? I mean, they must have just a ton of booze. You think they'd ask for ID. So I tweeted back and forth with them. I have to call uh, their customer service. My bank, Citibank, was great. The guy was great. He took care of it. But it just just really pissed me off that that would happen. But enough about that. The rest of the New Year's been great. And it's great today because I I, I saw my actor on TV. I hit him up. And my guest, he's a great actor, Brian Howe. How you doing, Brian? How many Kit Kat bars can you possibly be buying? Yeah, I was thinking $344. Wouldn't that... I mean, okay, so if that doesn't ring a bell, what does? <laughs> I know. What do you have to come in and blow, a grand? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you think about it. <laughs> I, it's true, because, I mean, I used to go to CVS. CVS. I, I, I get heart medicine, and my new insurance changed, but I used to have to pay, with my insurance, 198 for this medicine. Okay, but, but I'm going in, and I'm getting medicine. Now, I know someone's not going to go in, you know, and steal my card and try to get my heart medicine. I was just right. like, you're not going to get high off it. But I'm thinking the same thing, yeah. It's, it's, it's not like 20 bucks. You know, I can see... And if I stole a credit card, go, I would be go smart. Go to Brookstone. Exactly. Go to a cool gadget place. And then you're not going to get an alert. It's not going to say, like, at Christmas time when you're shopping. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's not going to say, hey, yeah. uh, if I go to, you know, Sharper Image and I spend $300, they're not going to sit there and say, okay, I'm not going to get an alert. But if you go to CVS. CVS. I, in Vegas. Yeah. And, which is weird. And I just, that's the funny thing. I guess I heard from the guy in the bank said, they what they do is they, they somehow set up a, a skimmer on the uh like it might have been the red box yes. and then i guess what happens is you they get your information and then they just make a fake card right but but anyway have, has, has anything happened do you like that ever oh yeah what yeah. You, what happened Did yeah you get your uh, just sold? recently uh we were at uh, and again this is not an indictment of the store because i think it's you know an independent right uh, operator no it was <laughs> no, a I'm home joking. depot okay and, and there were some fraudulent charges i don't think it was i don't think it was an exorbitant amount as much as they went and tried to do it a bunch of different times, okay. and they, they, they didn't try to make one big purchase. Because you can spend a lot at Home Depot. That makes sense. You're renovating your home. Right. So again, but um, my bank was was diligent and, and called and said, have you been doing a lot of shopping there? Cause and, and we hadn't. So we had to go through the whole shut down the card and, you know. Yeah, and that's a pain. And it, my bank was very helpful. But I always think it's funny as I think of the uh, attendant. Like if, if a Latino guy came up and showed a card that said Stephen Scott Cooper or, or for you, Brian Howe, if, if like a Latino guy came yeah. up, hey, yeah. Yeah, and it'd be like, well, there would be bells and whistles. One would think. Yeah. And then the worst part about it was also is I told the waitress told me and, and I talked to the girl at CBS. I said, OK, I'm out to breakfast. Can you deactivate my card in like a half an hour after I pay my bill because I'm sitting there I don't have any cash on me and I can't right. go get cash right and she goes uh, yeah so that guy so then I give it to uh, the waitress who I thank God I know and she comes back she goes I got declined and I'm like you didn't even listen to me that's all I ask but enough about that let me get breakfast and exactly. then shut me down like I made my girlfriend pay I had to write her a check <laughs> when I got home <laughs> But class act. So, so, you're no, a class yeah, exactly. Act. Hey, I pay the rent. It's all right. That lucky girl. <laughs> so now, now you're 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 a Rhode Island guy. I am. Now, now, now what do you think about this weather out here? Because I, I know back, I grew up in uh, right outside Philly in New Jersey, and it's well, freezing out there right here's now. Here's the thing, and I, and this just occurred to me this morning on the way here was that I'm you know I'm throwing on this fleece that I have on, and it's sunny out, <laughs> and it's uh, seventy five. The thing about New England is 
the weather's nuts, and it, it and it'll happen all the time, and it changes, you know, every day. But the weird thing about California is that it's not the frequency of the weather; it's what the weather does. In other words, you can be warm in the rain here and cold in the sun. Right. It's true. <laughs> well, I always notice too. Is and I'm never ready for it. Yes, I'm you- never ready for i look outside i see sun i think warm right crazy me i i get thrown off because you know i live in burbank and if i go out to meet my friends at the safer happy hour i walk because it's i live a few blocks away so if you walk down like 5 4 30 and it's sunny this is fine it's yeah true. yeah you leave at like 7 30 <laughs> three hours seven, later and it's it's you're freezing 30 degrees difference it's cold so now you, you grew up in in rhode island now yeah. you're a big guy did you play sports Hell no. No. Okay. So did no, you did you always want to act? Incredibly incompetent. I was great in the driveway. Okay. Driveway basketball, forget it. You know, uh, uh, touch football with the friends over in the field. You know, all that kind of stuff. The minute anything became serious in terms of sports, I was I was I was out. I just couldn't I couldn't catch. I couldn't throw. <laughs> just totally. It had to be. Purely fun, or or I was out, and then uh, you know it just took a couple of experiences of you know um, fumbling something or missing something and getting like screamed at by my friends right. for me to go. This isn't fun. Well, you know it's I'm funny. not having fun. Were you a big kid because you're a big guy? Yeah, it's everyone. It's so funny though. Everyone always like, especially you know when we. I don't know how old you are, but when you know if you're like forty and up, everyone always expected the big kid to be good at sports. Like we had a guy who was like six six, and we're like you're not good at basketball? And he's like, no. And we're like, but you're 6'6". Six, six. It was always like back then. Yeah, but I thing. wasn't in high school. I was like 5'6". Okay. So I'm 6'2 now. Okay. You look bigger. I'm 6'2". 6'3 okay. in heels. Okay. Um, but uh, I was I was short in, throughout high school. And I, I bloomed. Um, I blossomed just as I was leaving high school. I literally, my mom will say that I woke up one morning and my pants were like five inches too short. That happens too. I mean, it's amazing. And I didn't have the pains. I I just kind of, you know, woke up one morning and suddenly, and I'm hunching over (laughs) because I'm taller than I ever was. (laughs) Your feet are hanging off the bed in a second. (laughs) Yeah, it really, she'll swear to it. So I didn't get big. I was kind of, you know, I was very average height and... uh, and kind of portly, and and then I, you know, grew suddenly, and I wasn't portly anymore. I've gone back to portly. Oh, I've, yeah. re- I've reclaimed uh, Reclaim. portly, uh, husky, as husky. they say. Because <laughs> no, yeah, I, I always see. I, I always hate thought, husky. Huskies. I always thought portly as like portly short, <laughs> like like short. And I always thought husky, even though I wore them, I was always thin. Yeah. I always thought husky was like was like uh, you would go into like Sears or Pennies, and they had the husky section, like tough skins. <laughs> they had like yeah. husky tough skins. Whereas portly is like is like Mr. Bumble and Oliver yeah. Twist. <laughs> Exactly. That's portly. I think of an old fat English guy. Yeah. So, so when did the entertainment bug catch you? Did you always love TV and acting? As I was a kid, always or? goofing around. I was always class clown. I was always doing imitations of teachers. I just and I always loved TV and the movies, but it never occurred to me that this is what you could do, you know, like for a job. Okay. And and it wasn't until I was in I was in ninth grade. But I was in the junior high school building because our class was so big, they literally couldn't fit us into the high school with the 10, 11, and 12 grade. And I was at home doing homework, and I had two older brothers, and I knew all of their friends. And I remember this, this was my epiphany that uh, mom came upstairs and said, we're going to go to the high school and see the school play. I said, great, any excuse not to do homework. Threw threw the books down, went to the uh, uh, auditorium at the high school, sat near the back, and the play starts, and it's Oklahoma. Okay, so the band is playing, and it's all those great songs. I don't, I knew nothing about Oklahoma, but I'm hearing "Sorry with the Friends" on top. You know, all these great songs. I'm going, wow, this is this is cool. This is bouncy. This is fun. Curtain opens, the play starts, and some of my brother's friends are on the stage, saying funny lines and singing songs and getting applause. And I realized I can do that. That can be me. I, that is something I can do. And even though I had done a play in like sixth grade, it's sixth grade, you don't know what you're doing. And and I, I thought, oh my God. So the next year, 10th grade, when I was in the high school, boom, I auditioned for the, I went to the theater department like immediately. Did you and get I, the part? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you caught that bug that Inherit way. Inherit the wind. Okay. The play. See, that's cool. That's it's so funny because uh, it's just so funny because the acting in high schools, as I've told my guests before, we I was never involved in acting in high school or anything, but I looking back now and seeing people post on Facebook, my high school had an amazing, amazing theater department. I remember going to the productions, and I saw I used to do stand up comedy, so I used to always, that was my thing. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do right. comedy. Right. But when I think about it, it was like it would have been so cool to do it. And even my college, I remember different. We had different productions. And it was a small school. Sure, yeah. They were good productions. Now I look back and I go, I should have done it because then I sit, sit back and go, some of these people were schlubs who were, you know, <laughs> you know how it is. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like anything, you know, in Hollywood. It's like, oh, I'm an acting man. Yeah, but you know, you know, yeah, 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 maybe you should be a business major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, now you go through high school, you're acting. So now, what path do you take from there? Do you go to college to act? Or? Uh, yes, I decided I wanted to uh, uh, further my my training, really, uh, and I wanted to major in theater somewhere. I knew I wanted to be an actor. I knew it. Um, and uh, I, I really applied myself in high school, even though it's just high school. But Barrington, I, Barrington High School. Barrington High, yeah. And... Uh, and I decided I wanted to go to uh, to college and major in theater, and uh, my parents uh, were great about it. Um, although they were uh, subliminally, they were they were kind of going, you know, well maybe you could minor in communications. Maybe right. you could minor in, you know, <laughs> trying to cushion the blow for the horrible disappointment that a, a career in acting would bring. And I look back on it and I go, you were great to even to to a support my decision. And B, just try to coax me into maybe something more practical just in case. Now, where did you go? I ended up going to Rhode Island College in Providence for this, for really one main reason. That, that there were uh, supplemental reasons. But I, we looked at other schools. We looked at BU. We looked at NYU. We looked at schools out here in California, blah, blah. Expense aside, <laughs> because they were, they were extraordinarily expensive, the rules were that you couldn't even set foot on a stage until your junior year. And I said, that's out. Right. Because I didn't think I was going to learn how to be an actor in a classroom. I think I was going to learn to be an actor standing on my feet and screwing up in front of people and being awful and, and just learning from it. And I said, I got to have, pri- I don't, it doesn't have to be a big stage. It can be a tiny st- I don't care where, but I got to be on my feet doing this in order to learn it with any kind of you know proficiency which makes sense because it's like anything you know with comedy you know you people can take a comedy class i took a comedy class in philadelphia that it said basically they got me to put my act together but you're not going to learn exactly you're not going to learn in a classroom it's like you know either you're funny or you're not either either you're talented or you're not that's i've always been a firm believer in that and you're not going to know you're talented unless you go on stage and if you suck on stage you know it but if you do you do well then you know it and you can sit there and get that confidence right i mean sucking on stage your first couple of times is okay if you learn from it and you go and you're able to go okay that was bad what did i do wrong let's you know be better i flailed around too much. i flailed around a lot because i was newly big remember okay. in college right i was newly large <laughs> so there was a no, whole importantly new, he was oh, newly large no i a was new, i a was a completely tall. different clothes section newly large. i was tall and it looked like i was landing planes okay. out there it looked like i was my hands were suddenly large plates of meat and and when I moved them, it was frightening to the children. You know what I mean? It was right. just like, it was like that inflatable guy outside the tire store. You know, I would, that was me. Right. I was just all over the place. So I, you know, luckily someone, you know, taped me a couple of times and I looked, I went, oh my God, Brian, calm the F down. Right. Will you please calm down with the waving and the flailing? So, so I did, you know, and, and that was it. But but Rhode Island College offered me the the, the opportunity to get on stage right away. Uh, the classes in the theater department were also very practical. There wasn't a lot of sitting around. Um, there was a lot of up on your feet and doing things, uh, which, which was terrifying but, but gratifying all at the same time. I, I made myself learn stuff. Um, and, and, and that was it. And I just, um, uh, we were also, I was in close proximity to Trinity Square Repertory Company in Providence, one of the best theater companies okay. in the country that brought us people like Richard Jenkins. And I got to see Richard Jenkins as a young man on the stage being as brilliant as he is now. Right. <laughs> it must be amazing when you sit there. And, the- you know, being able to talk to him and you know, people like, you know, uh, the actor uh, George Martin and Peter Garrity and, you know, all these guys that you see 
in in films and and movies and TV now. You know, they they were all just you know, and they were doing great productions, just all the more inspiring to to me. So that was that was it. And I I I went to a high school theater festival at Rhode Island College, and I got a sense of the physical stage there. They had a big main stage, and across the hall they had a little tiny black box stage that they called the student theater. And I was like, yes. You know, so my first gig on the big stage, I was a soldier. Okay. Hey, the <laughs> flailing soldier. I was a soldier, the flailing soldier in The Devil's Disciple by George Bernard Shaw. And then across the, sta- across the, the hallway, I had a big part in a Kurt Vonnegut play called Happy Birthday, Wanda June. And it was the the big part in the small play across the hall that got me the attention that I needed as as an actor. That's why I tell people do indie films, right? Do, do small parts in indie films because oh, yeah, you're up on your feet, and you know don't worry about whether it's a blockbuster. You're or working not. your you craft. Know, you know that, you're working your craft. And, and for it's, anything, you know it's the thing. So so you do that, and you get now you graduate college, mm-hmm. and now where do you go? Do you go to New York? Do you go to L.A.? What what is your choice of? of I go to a P. Brillo and Sons Italian restaurant and work in the kitchen, and that's where <laughs> in in Seekonk, Massachusetts. Okay, so you stayed. You stayed in a. I didn't have anywhere to go right away. Okay. I had a promise from a friend who was uh, running or going to be running a Summerstock theater in in Pennsylvania, and he had courted me to come do a play there, and then uh, dropped me because the guy he really wanted decided to do it. A jerk. Um, and I I said, oh, oh okay, fine. So that was going to be my summer because he was going to be paying and everything. Um, so I had to get a gig, and so I worked in a in the kitchen of a of an Italian restaurant. Uh, but I was I was king of the dishwashing area. That That's, was my uh, my was my area. I wanted autonomy. The Hobart, you had the Hobart. The machine. manager. Oh yeah. Oh, I had the power <laughs> I was, sprayer. I, I was a dishwasher. We all were I in high school. The power sprayer and, and the you push power it, washer. And the glasses would be so hot when you take them out. The plates would be like, and they yeah. didn't give you gloves. Just no. take them out, and you're like, oh. And, and then I remember <laughs> it had to be fast. First time I ever dishwashed at this place in high school, <laughs> I, I got the, the they had the racks of glasses, and you, I saw the one guy flipping up the rack and sliding down and catching it. So I said, I can do that. Of course, I'm like five four. You know, this guy's six foot. So yeah. I flip it up, and it slides down, hits me in the chest, falls down. And I smash a whole oh, <laughs> track of things. No, that's it was not awful. Good. Yeah, I was thin, but then I got better. I practiced well, course, my craft. You I, I used your craft. craft. <laughs> <laughs> so you do the dishes. So now you have to, get, but the acting's in your mind. The acting's in my head, and and uh, you know I'm thinking all the time like where where from here where from here because I can't let this. This is not going to be my destiny. Right. This is not where it stops, and. Um, so I, I got another call. I was there for most of a summer, and uh, another call came from my friend Steve. And uh, he said, no, this, this time for real, can you come out? I, I would love you to, to be in this thing. So I said, yes, yes, I can. And um, uh, so I went out uh, to uh, the Shawnee Playhouse in uh, Shawnee on Delaware, Pennsylvania, and uh, did uh, a summer or two of, of stock there. Um, uh, musicals and and whatnot, and uh, and had a blast. And you know, he paid everybody kind of under the table. He uh, conned the lovely couple who you know ran the joint uh, into you know believing that we all needed you know two hundred bucks a week plus free room and board, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which for summer stock, that's Rockefeller wages, and that's great. I mean, that, and, Rockefeller, and you're wages. doing what you love, and you and dude, this kid was so smart. He would run a play for five weeks so that most summer stock you rehearse to play you open the play and while you were running that play at night you're rehearsing the next play that they're doing during the day so it's this constant hell this kid was smart enough to go no Let's rehearse like hell for a week, put the play up, and have days off for a couple of weeks. That's perfect. <laughs> so, you know, when you're at summertime, you're in the Poconos, it's beautiful, you've opened the play, and now you get, uh, you know, a, a few weeks of, of days off before you start you're rehearsing the, the next deal. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, that took me to uh, New York uh, for a failed attempt uh, at New York, and all I wound up was uh, staying in a flop house on Amsterdam and Broadway, um, and working at a um, uh, well, not a Crate and Barrel. What's the what's Z Gallery? No, uh, not Z Gallery. Pure, pure. Uh, one of those kind. Okay. It was a Crate and Barrel, Pottery Barn. A Pottery Barn. That was okay. it. I worked at a Pottery Barn on the East Side, 
um, and and accomplished little else. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and that I got a call from a friend in Boston who was directing a production of The Shadow Box, a wonderful play. And uh, and he said, I'd love for you to play the role of Brian. And I said, well, I'm going to need a place to stay. And he said, I need a roommate. Perfect. Okay. Boston, here I come. So uh, all along, it was a, a question of ma- keeping the friends that I had in college, who, who all, you know, helped me later on in life, you know. And it was uh, like a, a work beginning work type thing. Work eventually, like, would come to me. And uh, you put just putting it out there all the time, like you know, never giving up, never saying, "Well, I guess I'm a clerk at Pottery Barn now." Right. You know, because the minute you, it's like turning off the future, like a light switch. You know, it's like, <coughs> well, if it's uh, you know, you don't want to make that choice, but you're making it, so that's what it is. Um, so uh, to Boston, I went and uh, worked for an answering service during the day. <laughs> I answered phones for Ted Kennedy. Really? Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that of course, just, answering services don't aren't around anymore because we have you know it's just so well, funny. Right. It was so funny because how big they were and like wake up calls, but now it's like yeah. everything's done on your phone. And I think about it, it's like and I always think about it before there was cell phones. You know, me and my friends, and I was doing comedy, so I would get done a show later. But they, hey, we're at this bar, and I'd be okay. Well, I'm in the Philly area. Yeah, you never miss them now with a cell phone. You never you never run into the people. No, it's I'll, so weird. Yeah, I remember running around with my little pager. I had a little pager when someone would call the answering service and leave a message. I'd get a little a light or a, or a you know a thing, and you have you'd have to find a public phone, all that kind of stuff. And now those are all dead now. But I this know. was an answering service with the with the carols of of people and a phone with a hundred buttons on it and lots of little slips of paper and a big circular wow. thing in the middle that you would spin around with the box number of each you know, and you'd have to shoom shoom you know put them in or take them out, read them off, whatever. Um, the only interesting thing about answering phones for Ted Kennedy were the occasionally angry calls from Joan. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Could you have him call home? That's too funny. So you're doing that and you're acting at night. <laughs> and acting at night, doing plays in Boston at night. Because Boston had a fantastic non-union theater scene. Uh, there just weren't any union theaters. It wasn't a conspiracy. There, just, there was one union show called Sheer Madness. Um, but there were a bunch of great theaters that got press that, and there was a wonderful community of actors there. It was, you know, I, I look back on those days with, with, you know, um, great fondness. It was a, a really, really good time. And I got really busy as an actor, just literally just going from play to play so that the day job wasn't torment. Right. Because my nights were so filled you know, with, with doing what I love to do. So the, the, you know, the day job was just a means to an end, just pay the bills. So you, you're working up there yeah. doing a theater and I always, you know, run to people that they decide when they have to leave. Like, was there a point? I mean, cause you ended up coming to LA, I'm guessing. Well, well Hollywood came to Boston first for okay. me, Spencer for hire. Great show. Uh, yeah. came to town. And, uh, if you were an actor in Boston, you were going to probably at least audition for Spencer for hire. Cause they did hire local, uh, people. They hired for the big guest, spots they hired out of town either from hollywood or new york and that was just the way it was but there were plenty of spots and i got one and uh and that got me my sag card and i had a speaking role and everything and um and it was a great experience to to get to for me to have um i was comfortable in front of a camera because there was a burgeoning um what do you call them industrial video market and that got you in front of a camera. So you could suck right out loud in front of a camera, and no one would ever see you. Right. Now, were you getting a lot of industrials? <laughs> oh, tons. Yeah, tons. So that was a really good avenue. That was great um, just for camera craft, just for getting yourself in front of a camera and acting and then being able to, being able to see it and going, okay, wildly overacting there, Bright. <laughs> Try to take it a few operatic <clears throat> levels down. Um, so that happened, and then... And then um, I built up enough of, uh, between that and, and uh, uh, commercials and stuff, um, it came time to try a move to New York. And uh, um, I had tried a couple of moves uh, there, and I had um, gone to, you know, throw my name out there and resume, and ha- I made what I thought passed for a tape. And, um, and I called a casting director, you know, just out of a list, and um, his name was Billy Ciro, and I had worked with a producer in Boston named Penny, uh, 
Benatovich, and she had virtually Xeroxed her Rolodex for me because I said, I'm going to try to just, you know, get myself met by right. someone. And I call, and Billy was the last person on the list. And I mentioned Penny, and he kind of tested me, and I passed the test that Penny I actually knew. And he called me in, and he was the one to call me in, and I showed him my reel. And I said, you know, you can be honest with me, because I got a good thing going in Boston. I'm really happy there. So you don't have to blow smoke up me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Just be honest. If you think I can get work here, if you think it might, I might stand in, he said, yeah, you could definitely. You could definitely work here. He said, do you have an agent? I said, no. I said, no, that's, he said, hold on a second. And he went to the phone while I'm sitting there, and he called Cunningham, Escott, and Topine, a huge commercial agent. I didn't know. They were huge at the time. And, uh, and he, the head of the agency was a really good buddy of his, and he said, I got an actor here that you should meet. And the guy said, okay. So the next day, <laughs> I, was at, I was at Cunningham, and I was sitting down with this guy, and he was looking me over, and, you know, I wasn't too crazy looking, right? And and I seemed to know what I was talking about, and I sounded and looked like an actor, I guess. And I ended up signing with them, and so I had a at least a commercial agent to send me out, and and I had the wherewithal in my head to know that an agent only does you so much. An agent <coughs> really, only, and agents don't get you jobs. Agents get you in the door. Just get me in the door is all my. I said to him, I said, you get me in the door, and I'll take it from there. I know it's up to me at some point. He went, okay. He loved that attitude. <laughs> so so he got me out. He started getting me seen by people, and I would just go in and read, and, and sometimes I would suck, and sometimes I'd do great. And I booked a few things here and there, and I noticed they had a voiceover department. So I waltzed over to the voiceover department, and and I said, I'd like to explore this too. And they sent me into their booth with some copy, and I read some ad copy into a, a microphone and ran some tape and I gave it to them to listen to and they said no that'd be great we'll send you out so I had both prongs kind of working for me like right away in New York um, it wasn't the dream uh, commercial work but it was it was something everything to me was a stepping stone right and I got into a theater troupe the Manhattan uh, punchline theater troupe and and um, you know things I started getting seen doing stuff from there and things kind of snowballed from there. I ended up getting a manager and an agent, um, <laughs> both of whom eventually kind of screwed me over, but not disastrously so. And then I started, you know, flirting with uh, the West Coast. Okay. And, then and, and that's when I, I came out here full time. I came out, I started coming out here in like 93 for pilot season, like every New York actor did. And my first time out, I got a pilot. Which was it? Who else was in it? Do you remember? Uh, let's see. A, a, a New York stage actor named Chip Zion, uh, a comedian Caroline Ray, um, another comedian Steve White, yeah, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, it was a sketch comedy, family-oriented sketch comedy show. Okay, and we were the troupe, and it was going to be you know like a prime time family-friendly sketch comedy show. And the sketches were pretty funny, I have to say. There was some pretty funny stuff. Um, but it didn't go anywhere. They decided at the last minute to add a laugh track. Okay, which, you know, yeah, for sketch it doesn't really work. So you're For doing sketch that's not in front of a live audience, it doesn't work. <clears throat> right. So you're, you're, you're coming back and forth, but then when did you eventually move out here completely? Because I, I know you were on the Bonnie show. January of... Uh, the Bonnie show was 95. Now, were you coming... Did you audition for that when you were living in New York? No. I, yes. Yeah. Okay. I came out here for pilot season, auditioned for that show um, for Bonnie. And, um, and it, uh, you know, she loved what I brought. I, she just... I had something that she liked. And we, we talked and laughed and stuff. And, and I ended up uh, booking that. And that was my, my first TV show. And that ran for us, that says 12 episodes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that must have been a great feeling. But then, oh, it was such a great experience. But what I always, I always talk to, it's funny about a lot of actors come on here. It's such a great feeling. But then when it ends, when it's, when it's your first one, I've talked to people, you know, after, like, you always talk to people, well, the first pilot was great. And then they go, well, the fifth pilot, you're just going... Yeah, you know, if it gets picked up, it does. I mean, and it's like, I had a guest come on and he goes, yeah, I was on this pilot on HBO with Frank Langella, Clooney produced. He's like, I'm quitting my day job. This is a sure thing. And then 
Did it get picked up? And he said, the first time it kills you. And then you just get used to it. With the series like that, you must have been so happy. And then when it ends, it must be very hard at first. Um, yeah, really hard. Because, you know, I grew to love everybody connected with it. You know, Bonnie especially. You know, we became a really tight unit um, right away. Um, to the point where, you know, the workday would finish and we would all keep hanging out. Nobody okay. was in a rush to go <clears> home. Um and the the just the doing of the show, Bonnie told me at one point, because she, in rehearsal, because she's from Second City, um, you know, you respected the script, but it was always, if for any reason you were getting tongue-tied over a line, she would be the first one to say, forget the words, say it the way your brain wants to say it, because you're in the character and you're in the scene, go with what you think it is, instead of, you know, don't be so married to it. Unless it's a tightly constructed joke or something. But, you know, other than that, she was like, go be in character and go for it. And she said at one point, you know, I'm spoiling you, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, I have a feeling you probably are. <laughs> I said, but I don't have the, I don't have the perspective, so I, right. I won't know until later <laughs> yeah, how badly you're spoiling What are you doing? Me. Stop yeah. that. Read, the, read it. Oh, but, my God. Well, yeah. it's funny. All the Second City people, and there's been a lot on the show also, that they're just, they, there was such a cool community. And, it, you know, it's funny. All of them work. I mean, it's so funny in some facets. So many that have moved out here, whether it's writing, whether it's commercials, you know, and they had that that attitude like you know help each other out and i think it comes from the improv because there's so many people here who don't they, they want to shine you know but like for that like she she's a star and a lot of times you know stars can be a jerk but she's sitting there going she wants no, to make you look good she's that's all great. about and pass the ball that's all those second city people and that's it's so cool it's it's such a i don't know about now but like the ones you know in the past they're yeah. all just it was such a great community i think that's why they all work because they're all like upstanding people too yeah bonnie loved it when the rest of us were funny okay if the rest of us could be funny because also she was smart enough to know that takes the onus off her right you know what i mean it's not about one person has to carry all the funny in one show she's smart to go no i'm going to surround myself with a bunch of people who are like good actors and who can be funny and I'll foster that and and everybody got to be funny and it just made for just a, a hell of a hell of a lot of fun in, in rehearsals and on the show. Now, when you got cast on that, did you yeah. move out here permanently? No. No. Okay, so you, you were out here shooting, but you still had a place in New York. I had a place in New York. I, I sublet a place here um, uh, that you know was in, uh, what's the area? Hancock Park, okay. I think it was. Um, little apartment, you know, but uh, nice, you know, nice enough to, to live in temporarily. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think had it been picked up and had it gone more, I would have, you know, made the move. You know, between seasons, I would have, you know, I would have made the move out here. So but when, as, it, when it got canceled, you moved? When, when we didn't get picked up, yeah, because we finished shooting in December. Okay. And, and... um I went back to New York. Doesn't that suck? Like, yeah, go back right in the winter. Like, couldn't couldn't it be couldn't it be like stop shooting maybe in March? You know, can I go back? And well, not only that, I I moved back, but luckily I timed it when I did because I flew to I flew back to New York on a Saturday because the the ch rates were cheap. I showed up. Um, no, actually, no. I flew in earlier earlier in the week, like a Wednesday or a Thursday, and I had had to ship my computer and all this kind of stuff. Remember, computers then were... Oh, yeah, huge. <laughs> I had to box everything up and ship it to myself. You know, it cost like a week's salary on right. the Bonnie show. Um, and it, it all came, and, and I got myself all set up at home, and it was the weekend, and I was freshly home, and it was in December, and I woke up on a Monday morning blizzard. And I had gone shopping the night before. I had Thank stocked God. up. I had stocked up. And I was like, it was school's out. It was like the best thing. <laughs> New York was buried in snow. So it was the best thing. So that that was uh, one mitigating factor. And then, of course, you know, the call comes, you know, a couple of weeks later. Are we coming back? Are we doing more? You know, and she had to, like, call everyone and say no. Because, only because the, the network switched hands. Right, that happens so much. And you can't possibly have the other person's show be a success for some reason. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I, it's just so crazy. I don't, which I don't understand. It, it makes no sense. Because um, so, so, I think it would have gone far. Yeah, because then it's a good cast, and she's great. So, so, you got that, so you're back so, in New York. So now I'm on fire. I'm back in New York. I'm, I'm back on the, you know, go the commercial trail. Um, and, uh, and that stays as is. Um, and now it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm home a few weeks and I realize it's pilot season again. 
um, out in L.A. So I leave everything at home. <laughs> I pack lightly. I call friends. I need a couch, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and I'm back on the you know audition trail. But now I feel like I have a show under my belt. Right. Now I feel like, oh, I have this thing under my belt. I, I should be able to like you know get into places and stuff. Nothing. Really? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. That's amazing because, yeah, you did have a show on your belt, and it's just back then. I mean, that, that was it was. It, and it was a show that the industry loved. The industry loved her. And, and every place she would go, like, you know, stars of other shows would come up and go, We watch your show every week. We love it, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't. I couldn't get seen. I couldn't get a gig. Nothing, you know. And I wasn't cocky about it, but I just thought. You know, wow! You know, because yeah, you think it, you're coming off an industry-like show. I now mean, I have—I'm not a complete unknown. Right. I have this good resume credit here, but nothing, nothing happened. So I—I I spent a lot of money, and nothing came in. So I no had pilots, to, no nothing. Okay, I had to go back to New York and work like hell in commercials to try to make some money back. I went into a lot of debt, um, and uh, and just uh, stayed with that. And I landed probably a Law and Order, because if you're yeah, an so actor I, in New York. Well, it's funny because I saw the Law and Order because back then you could come back and do it like you just like you did it like oh, three times. Dude, it's now like they never do duty. that. Yeah, it's like you always get a different. If you're character. an actor in New York, <laughs> you just get a notice in the mail. Right, you're playing the <laughs> landlord in scene three. Report to the pier. You know, and, and why even audition? You know, so uh, yeah, I did three of those over the course of three years, and I kept coming back every year like clockwork. That's good. And then now you also I saw you were in State and Maine. Yes, because I worked with uh, Dave Mamet. Um, I did a. Um, uh, a charity thing, a fundraising thing for a friend in Boston years before. And um, that got me uh, the understudy gig on Oleana off-Broadway in New York. Uh, that was around 94, I think. And um, so that was before Bonnie, actually. Oh, was it 96? I'm not sure what the time frame is now. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, and, uh, and that was a phone call. That was literally because Dave, you know, does that. Or used to do it anyway. But I, I just, I got a phone call out of the blue. Hey, you know, we're doing this movie. Uh, we're, we're in uh, Massachusetts. Do you want to play the bartender? You know, and I was like, oh, sure. Right. You know? <laughs> All right, good. You have to fly yourself here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have no money. I said, fine, but you have to put me up. They said, yes, we'll put you up, but you got to fly out here. I said, okay. So you're still back east. Now, when do you move back? Because I noticed later in your career, a lot of your resume is in L.A. Do you, do you, when do you eventually sit here and say, I'm moving to L.A.? I'm, I'm uh, coming back and forth, but the bulk of everything happened. Uh, I moved here full-time in 99. And now what caused that for you to move here? What was the... Uh... It was just time. It was just time. And a friend of mine uh, uh, talked to me, called me and said, Brian, you're aware that almost every time you come out here, you get something. Right. right. You are aware that you come out here and work. And you're aware that many people come out here and never work. <laughs> I said, yeah. They said, well, you know, uh, she said, well, why don't you just make the move? Just be out here. And so I, I took that to heart, and I did. And um, and I had uh, met with an agent, and so I had an agent, um, commercial and otherwise. And and uh, I started, and um, it was when I signed with my, my current agent, uh, the Koner Agency, that everything turned around. Within 30 days, I booked K-Pax. Okay. Now, it's been great, because that's a huge movie with Kevin Spacey. I mean, that's, Kevin that's Spacey, big. Jeff Bridges, and, Universal. And they, and they were all, like, that's like, Spacey was, like, coming off. He was off. fresh he was, off American Beauty. Right. So, it was, that's the, you know everyone's going to go see that. And the industry's going to go see that, because yeah. they want to see how it does. Right. So, so you get that. So and I get that, and that's a dream. And, you know, Jeff Bridges is just the coolest dude in the world, and Kevin was incredibly cool. and uh, Good impressionist. He, very good impressionist. Oh, wonderful, yeah. God, you watch him on the <laughs> I cued him a number of times. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so, so that must have been great. So you're working with, I mean, that must have been awesome for you. It was really fun because, um, because we shot here and in New York. So it was really fun being flown to New York. Right. <laughs> Not on your dime. <laughs> Not on my dime. And to stay at the W, you know, in a, a very fancy, you know, glove compartment sized room. Uh, and to be shooting at the Rose Planetarium and, uh, you know, an all-nighter. It just had all the, like, movie elements that, that you want. So, so that you, was that was terrific. So you're doing that, and then I still notice in your resume, you're doing a lot of TV. And then you end up on a series called uh, Minute with Stan Hooper. 
I do. I wind up, uh, yeah, I do a bunch of TV Because, yeah, you have the district, you have it. But you also did Catch Me If You Can, which, you know. Uh, that was in uh, 02. Right. Right. But you're seeing uh, and, and you're the boom town of Good Morning, you know. So you're doing a lot of work. After that, you're working a lot. It was one of those things where one thing led to another. <laughs> okay. uh, my old friend, Anna, uh, had a high school friend named Frank Darabont. Right. And, uh, and before, pre-Shawshank, no one knew what a Frank Darabont was. And uh, I, one of my trips out here, um, I got to stay in the guest room of his house. And he and I hit it off uh, big time. We became just like good pals. And um, so, and that led, you know, one thing leads to another. And, and, uh, and he had already, he had shot Shawshank, but it wasn't out yet. Okay. So it was that, you know, that limbo time. And uh, he was very excited about it, and, and, but wouldn't let me see it because it wasn't color corrected. <laughs> I said, yeah, Frank, because that'll ruin it for me. Exactly. <laughs> um, and and, uh, um, and uh, he ended up uh, doing this movie, The Majestic. Right. Uh, in which he cast me as one of the town locals. Um, he, we finished, the, we shoot The Majestic, and he's showing a cut of it to Steven Spielberg. Before he shows the cut to Steven Spielberg, I have auditioned for Catch Me If You Can. And Spielberg has seen me in the audition tape. You know, he's looked at the tapes. So now he's at this screening of Frank's, and I'm in the Majestic. And Frank told me later, he went, that guy just auditioned for me for Catch Me If You Can, the movie I'm doing. He's, you know, he's one of the actors I'm considering. And Frank did a solid, and he, he talked me up, and, and they're sitting there. And Spielberg's assistant is next to him. And uh, Spielberg turns to Frank and goes, he's got a great face, doesn't he? And Frank goes, oh, yeah. He's great. got a great face and a great sense of humor. He's a wonderful actor. He's a cool guy. And Spielberg thinks for a minute and turns to his assistant and says, cast Brian Howe in the role of Earl Anders. <laughs> that is so cool. That is just like, it's so funny how that works, though. It's like amazing how, and it's so, and it's time. I mean, now I always sit there and say, you have to do your work. But it's so weird how so many things happen. It's just the timing. It just, it's right. amazing. Just the certain worlds collide. And I, now, if, if you're not well, doing any work, you're not gonna, that's not going to happen. It's just, yeah, it's, it's the persistence. You know, luck comes from the persistence. And luck comes from, you know, opportunity comes from opportunity. But sometimes you've got to create your own. And sometimes it comes from fate. It's just luck and fate. But, you know, you've got to be in the mix for that to even happen. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen sitting in your living room. Right. Somehow you got to be out and making friends and blah, 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 you know, and you don't, I think if you, if you don't make friends with that objective, if you make friends just to make friends, cool things are going to happen. I, I, you know, people who make friends just to have the connection and the network, you it doesn't know, work. I don't think it works. Cause you well. see right through it. People will eventually see right through it. Yeah. And they go, Hey man, so, can you help? Which yeah, like, I'm right. Can you, can you hook me up? <laughs> what? <laughs> you have no idea how it's, many people ask me, "Can can you get me in to see your agent?" And yeah. and I go, I, I, you know, a, you would have to be someone I know and have worked right. with. I have to be able to vouch for you. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I can't just blindly recommend people. But see, that's better than you know what I hate because I I have a commercial agent that's on this floor actually, and people I always see bitching going, oh. Uh, um, I can't get an agent. I go, well, my agent's always looking. Just call me. I mean, I don't book a lot. Hardly, I don't book anything. But they know me because they see me all the time from here. And they go, okay, thanks. And then I say, hey, did that person write? No. And I'm like, wait a second. That's even worse when they ask you. Oh, and you go, okay. When they ask and then they don't follow up. They don't follow up. And and I see them. I go, hey, this person may call you. And then I look like an idiot. And that's just, it's it's the worst thing. I've had that happen too. It's so bad. It's like, just call them. You know, it's it's crazy. So you're working and you do this movie. And now you're working a lot. You're doing movies and TV. And the Mr. Hooper's a series. So you get, you get. Yeah, I get booked on. uh, And and Norm MacDonald uh, is the (laughs) star of the show. And like Bonnie Hunt. Uh, and unlike most stand-up comedians, Norm is perfectly happy being surrounded by funny people. Because his model in his head was the Bob Newhart show. Okay. Where Bob was the psychiatrist. Right. And surrounded himself with lunatics. Yeah. And everyone was a riot. You know, and, and Norm was like, I want that. I want to surround my... I want everyone to be funny. You know. Um, and it, that was another fantastic uh, experience. Um, and, and I had a, a wonderful uh, role on it. And I got some good real stuff. But again, <laughs> again, um, it wasn't a change of hands at Fox. Um, 
it was all it takes is like one for one person to have a nagging doubt right and and it's a, a kind of a sheep mentality um so it it quickly spreads like a virus so you're i noticed you're bouncing now you're in journeyman which i knew it sounded familiar because Reed Diamond was on the show, and he that, he was also on Journeyman. Yeah. And so, so yeah. now you so you I mean, after the Norm Macdonald thing, I guess you you were used to you know you felt like okay, it didn't work, and it sucks at both times. It's like someone didn't like it. It was not oh, about the quality of the show. I'm, I'm the king of pilots that I love, and and shows that go to twelve episodes that I would give anything to keep doing, and they don't go anywhere. See, and that's awful. But and so because even like Penelope Ann Miller was on. Uh, the Hooper, a great actor, and Norm Macdonald's great. I mean, it, it's a great cast. Danny Roebuck, Garrett Dillahunt, oh, Danny Ro- Fred okay. Willard. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Hello. With that. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's so irritating sometimes <laughs> when you see shows that you really enjoy and they get canceled. And the worst is when they don't think they're going to get canceled or not picked up, and you never know how they ended. Like you said there, I remember there was uh, Ned and Stacy was a show years ago with uh, Thomas Hayden Church and sure. someone, and I never know what happened. Did they get married? No, it got canceled. So I was like. I wouldn't. They, the, the 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 network should have to sit there and put a disclaimer. Here's what would have happened, just to get a yeah. set of it because it pisses me off. Yeah, you know, you never get to find out what happened. So now you, you get you jump in your after the hop Hooper, you're doing different acting gigs, and then you end up on Journeyman. Yes, I did. Um, I did. Uh, um, I auditioned for a, a, a stage play before Journeyman happened. Um, I decided to audition for a stage play down at La Jolla, a new Aaron Sorkin play called The Farnsworth Invention about the invention of TV. And I, long story short, I get the part. I, I do the play. Hardest I've ever worked, most fun I've ever had. I made like 15 new friends. It was just uh, so great. And Sorkin was there uh, a lot because it's his new play. And he's also... Je- uh, shuttling back and forth between La Jolla and here because he's trying to keep his show Sunset 60 on the Strip or whatever it was called, Studio 60 um, uh, alive, and that's in trouble. So he's trying to keep that alive. He's racing down you know, to watch the right. play. And it's taking place during pilot season, and I've already spoken to my wife, and I said, I got to do this play, and I may not be able to, I may not be able to even participate in pilot season, so we're going to take a big hit in the in the wallet right so you know she was like she was great she was like no go go do it do it um so i i did go and i managed to get one audition during the whole farnsworth time and i had it coming up and i i looked uh, i was down in la jolla at the time and i looked at who the producers were and i saw kevin falls and alex graves and i looked them up and i saw the west wing was big on their resume (laughs) So I went to rehearsal the next morning, and Aaron was there. And I said, what can you tell me? I'm seeing this guy, Kevin Falls, on Monday. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. Wow. He was like, dude, I'll call him. I'll call him. I- I- I'll give him your name. I'll tell him. You- he should hire you. And I went, no, Aaron, no, no, no. I don't want that. Right. <laughs> I t- just give me some inside dope on the guy. Is he crabby? Is he nice? Is he funny? What, you know, what, what is I'll call him. I'll-, I'll go, no, Aaron, please, for the love of God, don't. I'm not asking for that. So he must have called and put in a good word, and Monday was dark day, and so I went, I came into town and auditioned for Kevin Falls, and and uh, he loved me, and um, and I ended up not going to the next two auditions, because I was busy with the play. And so, you know, it was that hell of, wow, they want you, B, you can't go. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> you, we're in tech week, and it's a monster of a tech play, and I, I can't go. So my agent says they want you to go to studio. I said, I, I can't go. She went, okay, that's fine. We'll send your reel and a resume, and we'll put it on a stool. Right. <laughs> sit there, and that'll be you. <laughs> I said, all right. So Wednesday afternoon, I call my agent. I go, how'd it go? She said, they loved you. <laughs> See that? It's just because you put you and had they, they want you to go to network. And I said, when is that? She said, Friday. I said, I can't go. She went, that's okay. <laughs> we'll do the same thing. I said, all right. And so Friday morning comes and goes, and I call in the afternoon, and uh, and I go, how did it go? And she said, they loved you. <laughs> That's so funny. God. So I got the job without being there. That's so funny. We have about 10 minutes left. Okay, I want to talk about oh, the no! I want to talk about the newsroom. Do we want to play this, or do you just want to talk about the newsroom? 
We'll we'll do. Uh, let's do really quick. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna play a quick a minute now. I'm I'm working on a, uh, a it's a it's a comedy album of scripted material called The Adventures of Big Dan Freighter. Fans of Larry Blamire and the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera will appreciate this. If you grew up watching the Clutch Cargo cartoon series, or if you like Indiana Jones, it's Indiana Jones but stupid, and um, uh, and we we're gonna be uh, launching at the end of January. Uh, the three main characters are Big Dan Freighter, myself, uh, his sidekick, Dutch the Swede, Anna Crombie, and Millie Healy, town librarian. And we, we go on adventures and we solve mysteries. Okay, people, we're going to play this because uh, the MP3 didn't work as I'm leaning over the mic as it's hooked up to my computer. Um, should I play uh, Wherewithal? Uh, SRN. Okay, we're going to play this. Okay. This is Big Dan Freighter in Sorry Right Number. Okay, quiet on the set. We're going to get this going. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> Steve worked feverishly through the night. Hello? Hello? Is this Big Dan Freighter? No, did you want Big Dan? Yes, please hurry. Whom shall I say is calling, please? Oh, he doesn't know me. Big Dan, it's for you. Someone named Naomi. Hmm. I don't know a Naomi. Hello, Naomi? No, this isn't Naomi. Dutch, this isn't Naomi. Oh, sorry, Big Dan. Hi, listen, I'm sorry. You must have the wrong number. Okay, take care now. No, please, it's... Wait. Was she Naomi or calling for Naomi? You know, she did not specify. That's strange. You'd think she'd know one way or the other. <laughs> Busy day at the old telephone. Oh, I'll get this one. Hello? Hello. Could I speak to Big Dan Freighter, please? Sure. Who's calling, please? He, he doesn't know me. My name wouldn't mean anything. Big Dan, do you know anyone whose name doesn't mean anything? Hmm. Well, there was an old girlfriend of mine named Zekka Slock. She once told me her name had no meaning in any language. <laughs> Hello, Zekka. No, this isn't Zekka. Oh, sorry. No, Millie, it's not her. Oh, <laughs> sorry, miss. You must have the wrong number. No, wait, please. Y you don't understand. I... <laughs> but the happy party is only three oh, days that's out. the other one. mysterious events first begin... Well, there, we're going to turn all this again. Welcome, this, this, this damn uh, the the Chromebook. It's like the the, the mouse thing doesn't <laughs> it's work. On right? I'm autoplay. Like, I'm like, right. what the hell is going on? So, so anyway, that's that's something I'm producing and directing and being and 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 we've worked on it for a year. We're going to be launching uh, late this later this month on Amazon and iTunes. Cool. And uh, check it out. I'm going to be hounding you to help us uh, promo it. I'll promote it. You give me a part. I'm a, I'm a good speaker. <laughs> All hey, right. Give me. I'll speak. I'll be You're hey. In. I'll be hey. No, I love that kind of stuff. Well, this I'm, album is done. It took us a year to do. Uh, we're going to do another volume. Uh, we have plenty of scripts. So, um, but right now we're focused on. We're you know this one's done. Uh, it's in the can, and um, uh, so we're going to start you know publicizing and putting out little preview clips and. See that's cool. That's good. That's and you need that because I remember you know I used to listen to Teach and Chong albums when I was a kid, and my brother had them and, and they were sketches and that got one of the reasons why I love comedy. Of course, you know the nine year old kids should have been listening to Teach and Chong, but I didn't even know what pot was. It was just funny. <laughs> so we got a few minutes left. The sure. newsroom now. Now that must have been great working now because that's where I saw you. And well, and speaking of Aaron Sorkin, right? Seven years later. Seven years later, Aaron remembers me and calls me. That was an offer. I did an audition. So not the day he just called you. And, and now it was, and it's the final season, so it's got it's a lot the of final buzz. season, and it's three episodes out oh, of six. Yeah, and what's pissed it pissed me off about the newsroom because it was only three seasons, and it was really good. And the final season, I'm like six. At least give me ten. What you know, maybe twelve. You know, I'm like, damn he you, HBO. He, yeah, he couldn't do both. Any, no, it wasn't HBO. So so now, what was it like? Because I mean, had, had you met Jeff Daniels? No, I hadn't met anyone on the show. My first day on the set was that episode you see where one they're at one end of the long conference table and I'm at the other. So I don't think I was even able to make the table read for that. So I really, no, wait a minute. Maybe I was. May, I, don't, I don't remember being at the table read. I, I made a couple of others, but not that one. So my first day on the job was... Being at that end of that table and facing Emily Mortimer, Jeff Daniels, Marsha Gay Harden, and Sam Waters. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like uh, and, huge, yeah. And I have all the words. I, have, I, I studied for a week, literally a week, um, every day. Um, it was a seven and a half page long scene that was not broken up into pieces. So that must be hard. I mean, I must remember all of it. Um, <coughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm from the stage. Right. So you approach it like that. Um, you know, my approach to memorizing long pieces of things 
is it's easy to look at it as a big, huge piece and get intimidated. How am I going to do this? So I break it up. I just break it up. And, and if it's seven pages, then I'll work on these two pages today. And I'm not going to worry about the other five. Boom. And I'm just going to, like, nail it and do it again and again and again and get the rhythms because I know it's Aaron. I know there's not going to be any improv. I know it's going to be every comma, you know, and I want to honor that. Um because the guy gave me the job. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's not just Aaron's writing. That he, must be great. He when they, gave me the job. That must be so great. I mean, he's such a talented and huge guy. And for him to just give you the job, that must be a great feeling for you. Oh, it was so validating, Steve. It was just such validation. And, and not only that, he wrote me a note long after all the shooting was done and he was in the editing. And he took time out to write me, you know, a note just saying, you know, I'm in the edit bay right now putting this together and you are sensational and I so appreciate everything you did. And I, I, I got choked up when I read it because it's such validation that guys like me don't get that reach out right. all the time. You know what I mean? We're expected to go in and, and do the gig and do our best and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we don't get asked if we'd like to do one more and all that stuff. So it was so nice of someone of that stature to kind of, A, reach out twice, reach out and give me the job, and then reach out and say, good work. And you're great in a role. I mean, because, you know, oh, you, you. you don't, you don't want to like you because you're pulling for Jeff Daniels. But then you go, it's your job. You know, you, it's not you being a dick. It's just it's, it's what you have to do. It's what I have to do. And, this and is you, can, you can tell yeah. from the whole football when they talk about the football, you know, and you feel like you're like, I can, in, in your mind, I can, it just comes across that you're thinking Jeff Daniels is such a smug bastard. I mean, but it's great. <laughs> but, you, but you know, it's like just a thing. And I'm, my girlfriend even noticed the table. And that's what's made the scene great because you're so far down. Yeah. And it just adds such an impact. It's like those old shows when like the little kid sits on the seat and the big kid. It, it was great. It was a Mexican standoff. Right. That's what exactly what they wanted. They wanted that that distance, and they wanted that. You know, they even shot it. You know, that way. Uh, there were a bunch of uh, uh, shots that kind of reflect that. So it was just. Uh, it was very rewarding, and it was very nerve wracking. But I climbed uh, the mountain, and uh, and I did it. So they were very happy. That was a Friday, and we started at about. They had other scenes to do first. So we started <laughs> shooting about 11 a.m. on a Friday, and we were done by 7. That's perfect. 7.30. And they expected, with all my words, because they have a lot of guest stars that come in and think they can learn it in the makeup chair. And they, Yeah. That's, that's so why, I was the hero of the friggin' day. That's dude. why they remember you. <laughs> so now, now you. What else is coming up for you now? I know Westworld. You're, you're um, Westworld. I don't know what's going on with Westworld. I did the pilot for HBO. I'm the sheriff. I'm Sheriff Pickett of the town and uh and also the upcoming season of house of lies okay um, i'm recurring on that starting um that starts on this sunday i think i appear the sunday after now that kevin spacey remember you from k-pax oh, no, house of lies house of I'm lies. Don I'm Cheadle. with don Cheadle. I, I, you know i watched the first two seasons of that i really like don Cheadle. it's he's just like the coolest guy. I, he I, is a, he is a cool he, I, I see him in, like the nfl like he's doing those things and i'm like there, there's like no one cooler than he just i mean just look at him you go God damn that! I mean, no matter how cool you think you are, you see Don Cheadle walking with his suit, talking about football, and you go, "That's a cool dude, <laughs> yeah, man." Yeah, I have a cool shortage exactly. when standing next to Don Cheadle. There's a, I have a cool deficit. So that's good. So that and that starts. When's that start this weekend? This Sunday. I may have to catch up. I I th I, I forget what season I got up to. I liked it, but then what happens is you get detached from different shows, and then you know when I was. Before my girlfriend moved out here, I was going back and forth back east, so I'd miss shows because I fly out and she watched shows. But now I have to catch up to it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for having me. How I do hope people... I didn't ramble on. It was, no, it's great. How do people get? Do you, do you tweet? Uh, I do. I do tweet Brian Howe actor. Okay. And uh, Facebook. Do you tweet um, a lot? I, I I'm I'm new. I'm new. You have to start doing so, it because when the house of lies, you do that live tweeting. That's that works good. Oh, is that right? I'll talk to you. I'll talk all to you. All right, all right. Live tweeting. And I, I got to learn hashtags. I, yeah, don't, I, don't, I don't do the hashtag thing. Yeah. So I want to thank you. It was great to meet so, you. And I follow you. at Brian Hal Actor, and that's H-O-W-E, if you guys don't have it. It's B-R-I. I know, I hate that wide friend. So I want to thank you. Also, people, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Follow me, at Cooper Talk. I'm going to. You should. I tweet a lot. I tweet a lot of jokes, actually. <laughs> and uh, you can uh, check out my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 320 episodes up there. Uh, also, email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. If you go to Stitcher or iTunes, you can go in and 
type in Cooper Talk One Word. You can find me there. You can find me everywhere. And I want to shout out Stitcher. Yeah, I want it, well, I'm on there. You can check. It. I want to shout out to a few affiliates that play me. I want to shout out to AllRadioX.com, WSDIChicago.com, The405Media.com, and RantRadio.com. And starting this uh, this Saturday, uh, one hour a week, I'll be playing on Wildfire Radio out of the uh, South Jersey Listen area. Look at you, expanding I know, getting all over the place. So I want to thank Brian Hell. Follow him on Twitter. Follow me at Cooper Talk. My cookbook's going to be coming out in the next two months. So you're going to check that out. Right and on. that's about it. So I'm Steve Cooper. Yes. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, <laughs> drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, follow both me and Brian Powell on Twitter, Hal on Twitter, and you guys have a great weekend.